Hello, I'm Tim, and you're listening to New Life at Home. Each week, I'm chatting with one of you from our church family about a topic related to Sunday's Bible passage. These chats are a bit like the one or two rich conversations you might have at church over morning tea. Except all of us can listen in, and all of us can be encouraged. Well, I'm here today with Julie Amos, and we're going to be chatting about the difference that building your life on Jesus makes for life. Life is filled with all kinds of trials, all kinds of struggles, and Julie and I are going to chat about what difference Jesus makes uh, as we work our way through those uh, trials and those struggles. But we're picking up on the last part of Matthew chapter 7, uh, where Jesus finishes his Sermon on the Mount with a challenge, and he challenges us to uh, be building our lives on him and his words. And he does that uh, with a story, a story of uh, someone who builds their house on the rock and someone who builds their house on the sand. Uh, When the storm comes, the wise man who built his house on the rock, his house stands. Uh, But the foolish man who builds his house on the sand uh, finds his house um, destroyed. And so Jesus is saying, the one that listens to my words... Uh, and puts them into practice, the one who builds their life on me, in my words, is like the person who builds his house on the rock. Now, Julie, if you could start by just sharing who's in your family and uh, something that you love about new life. I'm Julie. I've been married to Greg for 44 years. We have two children that both live in Canberra, Jane and Mark. We also have five beautiful grandchildren, three girls and two boys. (laughs) And one of the highlights of my life is being a nanny to these little (laughs) darlings. And what I love about New Life, well, where do you begin? I thought of lots of things, but the most important thing for me is the people. Mm. Because we all do life together and we share a common love for Jesus. So life is messy. (laughs) <laughs> and relationships can be complicated and wonderful at the same time, but I just love it. So it's the yeah, people yeah. that I love. Yeah, thanks, Julie. That's really encouraging to hear. Uh, how, how long have you been following Jesus for? Uh, how long have you been building your life on him? Oh, I've had the privilege of knowing Jesus for the past 30-something years. Wow. Yeah. And uh, as a child, I'm one of the eldest of seven, and mum and dad became Christians when I was about eight or nine, then from then on we went to church, Sunday school, was involved in youth group, schools brigade, and so I've had a really good foundation. And Mm. because of those years as a child, I believe that I've built a a love for God through his love letter to me, which is the Bible. Mm. It It tells me his story and the reason that he loves me and what life is all about, really. Thanks, Julie. Are there specific trials uh, that uh, that you wouldn't mind sharing with us? Thing, things that you've gone through in life, might be going through at the moment, uh, that have been hard, uh, difficult, uh, that have blown your house, if you like. Yeah. I think that through different seasons in your life, there are different things that come along and batter and shake it, and mm. you know you feel a bit unsteady. Um, but usually, I had a very good life, a very healthy life, but I find that, um, and I'm usually the one that controls and takes care of others. 
In a couple of months, I turned 64. And the last year and a half have been especially difficult and challenging. A year and a half ago, I was diagnosed with two brain tumours. That took me for a sixer. <laughs> I came back from the doctors and said to Greg, after I got an MRI, he said, I've got two tumours. They're not cancerous, but they're very common, apparently, in women over 60. A lot happens when you hit Did 60. you know that before? No, <laughs> I didn't. But you find all these things out when you get them. I had to have one removed from my brain stem at the end of 2019 due to the pressure it was putting on my brain that affected my balance and my speech <clears throat> and my coordination. It involved an eight-hour operation and six to eight months recovery. And in October last year, I was diagnosed with breast cancer and had a bilateral mastectomy five months ago. And then I found out about four weeks ago that the other brain tumour, my frontal lobe, has to be removed as well, but not till next year. So that came as a bit of a shock to me, actually, because mm. I thought, well, I wouldn't have to worry about that one. But again, I do have another headache, but, you know, life goes on with a bit of Panadol. But once again, it caused me to rethink what life is all about. Mm. And I wasn't in control. It's a big thing for me. It sounds like it wasn't just one thing. Mm. You know, it was one thing, then it was another thing. Mm. And then on top of that, another thing, it just just that piling up of... It is a piling up. Mm. And usually, I think I usually can usually deal with things that happen in different seasons of my life. But this is a big pile up and it hits my health. Mm. And because I'm usually a very healthy person, get on, get on with life. This has really taken me for a sixer. And I think the recovery time especially has been difficult for me. Because mm. I think, well, I've been good girl now for four weeks. I've taken medication. I've followed orders. Why can't I get back to doing what I'm doing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like from what you've said already that you're very aware of, yeah, how it's hit you for six. But at the same time, aware of uh, some of the things that God has been teaching you through it and what difference Jesus has made. Can you share a little bit about that? How have you been able to stand at this time and persevere as a Christian, mm. even with that pile-up of things that, that still you know, hasn't gone away? No. Um, you're still struggling with those things. You yeah. still struggle and live with the consequences of that. But I've learned over the years not to ask, why me? But really, why not me? Because the biblical truth is that I live in a fallen world. Hmm. It's full of pain and strife. Jesus tells us that. Where sin lives and the time sin seems to thrive and my body's ageing and failing. But the reality is when the floods come and the rains and the struggles and it shakes your house, I experience the doubts and experience fear and anxiety and I, and hmm. I do at times wonder what could have done to stop the shaking and rattling of what I hold dear. But then Jesus tells me that this is to be expected mm. and that I will have struggles and people with health issues, especially as I age. And I find as I study, mm. and especially as I go to small groups, we've been studying the last year about heaven and where it entails and how to handle all that and what to look forward to. The reality is this is only temporary and my body's going to fail. And so why not me? Just because I love Jesus doesn't mean that life's going to be all smooth and rosy. Hmm. And during those times are some of the most precious times, really. 
that I've been able to talk to Jesus because he continually reminds me through his word that he's near and that you're not alone because you can feel very much alone mm. when you get that phone call, you have that meeting with the doctor and the surgeons especially and they tell you all the pros and cons and the things that can happen to you. It can be a bit overwhelming, especially when they're going to dig around in your brain. Mm. But even though I may feel I'm alone, but I know from God's word that there is never a moment in which I face life without help from my Heavenly Father. He's always mm. near, and that's what he promises. So yeah. I hold on to those real promises. It sounds like you've really dug your roots yes, into God's word. Mm. And you remind me with what you were saying of Matthew's gospel, uh, how it begins with the birth of Jesus, Emmanuel, God come near, God with us. And then it ends with Jesus promising uh, his disciples that he'll be with them until the end of the age. Yeah, like I say, even when we feel alone and we struggle through trials and with doubt and wondering all kinds of things and asking all kinds of questions, there's that truth that Jesus is present with us. Mm. And that, that's, that's something that I've heard you saying. So you've dug your roots into God's word. Are there certain parts of, of God's word that... Maybe you've been studying lately in your small group or on your own or that have just been a constant source of encouragement for you. Yeah, I've really been speaking like looking lately at Isaiah. It's really helped me in my prayer life. And mm. over the years too, it's just a whole lot of scripture you go through when you go through different seasons of life and different things challenge you. When your children are sick or when your husband gets ill. Greg had um, prostate cancer six years ago. Mm. And that was a real journey for me as a carer. And I can care for others. I'm a registered nurse by profession and I can care for others. But when you're caring for your husband in the home and he was sick for about a year, he had septicemia at one time and was in Calvary and the crash cart was called a couple of times and we were, happened to be there one time and that was very confronting. But being a carer and learning to to dig deep on those foundations and knowing that you're not alone, even though there's others around you, can be a very lonely time. Mm. But I think it's God's sovereignty that's really helped me with that, knowing that he is there and he's in control. Because often I have the personality of wanting to take it all back, and I've been in control of a lot of my life. And I've been taught as a young child, pull your socks up, we can do it, you'll be right. And I can be very self-reliant. But I find when health things hit my family and me, it's easy to want to take control, but it's totally out of your control. But reassuring to know that God knew this way, way before I did. Mm. And he's sovereign. This is not a surprise to him. And it shouldn't really be a surprise to me, even though it is when you first get the news. Mm. Because he tells me, this is a fallen world. You're going to suffer. Your body is falling apart. You're not going to get it together until you get to heaven, Julie. But when it happens, it's still that initial shock. And then it, because of my faith in who Heavenly Father is and where Jesus plays in my life and the Spirit, it gives me pause to take a breath, breathe in, look up and go, it's not all about me because my life should really always be about Jesus. I've learned to take my problems to Jesus and just tell him how it is and what I feel. Yeah, so coming to him with honesty and, and very honest with that, yeah, even in those raw those raw moments, being able to come to him. 
And I find the raw moments that I'm the most real. Yeah. I just yeah. go to him and tell him what... I say, this is what you said. You said you could help me, Jesus. And would you? And like mm-hmm. in Isaiah 62 and 63, it says, I remind him of his promises that he's given me. And he invites me to do this. He invites me to come and to see him. And he actually commands me to come and tell him. So I sit down and I say, you said you'd walk with me through the waters, Jesus. I feel like I'm drowning at the moment, so I get specific. I'm having a hard time, but I know that you're here in it with me. You're not a faraway guide. You're not from a distance. Mm. And in Psalms, it says, you lead me through the valley. And there are times of going through the valley. And I say, and you said, Jesus, you'd never leave me or forsake me. And you said, I'm yours and you love me always. One thing I really, really hold on to is said, you said, you understand my feelings and you know the misery of life and how it gets me down. Because he's been there and he knows how it feels. And that makes it very real for me. Yeah. Because, yep. yeah, he uh, can relate. He empathizes with that feeling of doubt and that anger and that loss and that fear and that anxiety. Yeah, so you've talked about you know that you're not alone, mm. that God is with you in the struggles, in the trials. You've, you've mentioned God's sovereignty as well, that he's in control, that nothing's a surprise to him. Mm. And you've also said that you know that Jesus has walked the path before you, that he has gone through suffering himself, he's gone through his own trials, and he can empathize and sympathize with us in our weakness and in our struggles. Do those three things together, do they give you, do they give you a sense of assurance? Very much so. Assurance of what my purpose is, who's in control. It gives me to understand that God's story is real to me. And as we go through this time of coronavirus, craziness, I can, it gives me that opportunity to still breathe and be real about it. And I caught myself uh, at the beginning, about six weeks ago, I was away in Sydney and I came back to Canberra and everyone was panically buying toilet paper. <laughs> and I thought, this is just crazy. And I went down to the stores because I didn't have much. I didn't panic buy. I had a couple of rolls left. Went down to the shops and I found myself getting anxious and fearful looking at empty shelves over toilet paper. <laughs> and then I rang, then I went into another shop and all the frozen stuff was gone. I found myself feeling out of control a little bit and starting to want to panic by. And then I had to take a breath again and realize who's in control. I'm very much loved and cared for. And God is good. He gives you enough toilet paper to last and get through. And <laughs> <laughs> the ability to cope. Yeah, yep. Now, maybe as a way to finish, what advice would you give to us uh, of how we can be prepared for the test, for the trial, for the suffering when it comes? I found it solid that you've just got to get into his word. You've got to know who God is and you've got to build that relationship. But how do you build a relationship with someone that you don't spend time with, you don't know what they're like? I spend, I know what my grandchildren are like. I spend a lot of time observing them, seeing what they're like and their dislikes, their little personalities, their little love languages. But we need to spend that time with that relationship with our Heavenly Father. Mm. How He works, how, how Jesus lived on this earth, what the Holy Spirit can offer you. When you know who He is and what He does in His character, He's someone I can trust. Mm. He's someone I can rely on. 
and you look at his promises and you go, yeah, they're real and they're true. Jesus says, I love you, I'm with you, you're mine, and he tells you the truth. Hmm. But you need to get into the Word to know who to fall in love with. And once that happens, that prepares you for when the storms come. That's a wonderful encouragement, Julie. Thanks for that yeah, that advice, uh, that urging to get to know God better. I loved how you mentioned God the Father and the Son and the Spirit, the triune God mm. uh, that's revealed in Scripture. Thanks. Thank you, Julie. Thanks for listening to New Life at Home. I loved hearing Julie's story and how Jesus, the foundation of her life, has enabled her to stand through all kinds of trials. Next week, I'll be chatting with Simeon Duncan about the topic of power and authority in the world.